Welcome to this episode of Brit David Podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to join us as Pastor Tim shares a message from James chapter 5, verse 13 through 18, entitled, Where Are the Elijahs? Prayer is essential to the Christian life, and there are principles to prayer that you and I need to know. One such principle says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let's listen to Pastor Tim walk through this summary principle found in James 5. Here's Pastor Tim. I have so enjoyed our study on Sunday nights through the life of Elijah the Tishbite. Uh, what, a, what an incredible and remarkable man of God that he is. Um, let me let you go ahead and turn your Bible tonight, not in the Old Testament to where we have been, but let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to the book of James, chapter number 5. Last week, we got to see Elijah being swept up into heaven with his fiery chariot led by fiery horses. And the Bible says immediately that he was taken into heaven. And we got to read about his successor, Elisha, staring at that event and then calling out the question, where is the Lord God of Elijah? In response to that question, Warren Wearsby wrote, Perhaps the better question is, where are the Elijahs? Where are the Elijahs of the Lord God? Rather than simply, where's the Lord God of Elijah? This final message in this series, I want us to take some time in this passage from the New Testament and look at what James has to say about this man Elijah. In fact, I want to go ahead and just draw your attention for a moment. You're going to see that we're going to read a verse that says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And uh, that's really a, an important principle as we look into these verses tonight. Since we didn't get a chance to stand and sing, let me give you a chance to kind of stretch your legs a little bit if you want to. If you want to stand with me, stand with me and we'll read through our text tonight and give honor to the Lord for the reading of His Word. James chapter number 5, I'm going to pick up the reading in verse number 13. James asked this question, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you tonight as simple people wanting to understand prayer better. Wanting to understand how to communicate with the creator and the sustainer of all things. To be able to know and to communicate with you in such a way that Elijah did. Not, not because we want, to, we, we want those hallmark times of calling down uh, fire from heaven or calling down rain from heaven. We want to know you. We want to walk with you in intimacy. We want that communication to be so close 
that we know that you are our God and that we are your people. We thank you for listening to us. Thank you for hearing our prayers and answering those prayers. Help us to be better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Where are the Elijahs? I love what Leonard Ravenhill said about this particular passage. He says, we know Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. But alas, we are not men of like prayer as he was. You may never find yourself calling down fire from heaven to consume a sacrifice. You may never stand in defiance before kings and queens. You may never be fed by ravens or angels. You may not be swept up into heaven uh, by a fiery chariot or even outrun a king's chariot. You may never wear camel skin. You may not sport body hair, at least where you want it, you know. But you can pray. And you can pray like Elijah prayed. If he is a man with a nature like ours, then we can have prayer with a nature like his. Leonard Ravenhill went on to say, after he made that great statement, he said, Elijah prayed not for the destruction of the idolatrous priest, nor for thunderbolts from heaven to consume rebellious Israel, but that the glory of God and the power of God might be revealed today. You can pray that the glory of God be revealed. You can pray for the power of God to be revealed even in this particular place. And so James chapter 5 gives us great encouragement that the Elijahs are not just the Elijahs of the Old Testament, but there are Elijahs that, we can, that can be had today. I want us to concentrate tonight on those last two and a half verses that we just read. And I want to give you these two truths out of that. Number one. I want you to see that James gives first. He gives us a summary principle of prayer. A summary principle of prayer. Look again at the end of verse number 16. It's actually a summary statement for what he's been teaching about prayer in that entire paragraph. When he says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, that is the principle. And that is the summary for what he has been saying. The passage, the paragraph, actually begins in verse number 13 where we picked up our reading a while ago. In those verses, you took note that he is is teaching us to pray when we're suffering. to, To sing songs of praise when we are cheerful. To call for the elders of the church to anoint the sick with oil and to pray over them. In that paragraph, beginning in verse number 13, he he teaches us that prayer, the prayer of faith, actually saves the sick. And it raises the fallen. And it forgives the sinful. In this paragraph that he's just been talking about, he directs us with the use of imperatives or with the use of commands. He commands us to confess our trespasses to one another. He commands us To pray for one another. And then he boils it all down to this summary statement. To this summary principle. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That phrase tells me these things. Number one, 
It tells me that this kind of prayer is productive. This kind of prayer is productive. James says that it is effective. Effective prayers are simply answered prayers. They're prayers that you have asked and that God himself has answered. And he answers those things according to his own will. And he answers those prayers according to his own timetable. When God answers those prayers in that way, we say that those things are effective or that they are productive. Listen, it's not because my prayers or Elijah's prayers or your prayers are somehow so much closer than than like the average person. And that's why God listens and that's why God answers. No, it's God is the one who said, call unto me and I will answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things of which you did not know. And he did not say that that was for the spiritually elite. He did not say that that's for the, simply for those that are on some particular level in their Christian life. He simply announces that for everyone. Call unto me and I will answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things of which you did not know. It's Jesus who says, whatever you ask in my name... That I will do. Whatever you ask. And whoever you are. Jesus even said, if you ask anything in my name. He says, I will do it. Here's one of your real questions for today. Do you think that Jesus would lie to you? No. A million times no. If Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it, then I believe that Jesus means if we ask anything in his name, he will do it. I think that's exactly what he means. And so we hear David cry out, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me. Call upon God. Call upon His own attributes in your faithfulness, God. I'm expecting you to answer. We we rejoice over the testimony of Ezra when he says, So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and He answered our prayer. Pray. Pray effectively. Pray that God might answer. We want our prayers to be productive. Number two, this kind of prayer is passionate. It's passionate. James says that it is fervent. He says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When we hear the word fervent, we think of fire. We think of something that is burning. We think of something that is, or someone who is yearning. Well, that's Elijah. He is yearning with passionate desire. For God to act and for God to be exalted. He's had enough, enough of the talk of Baal. He's had enough of the talk of Baal being able to do anything. And so he calls all of those prophets together to show them Baal can do nothing. And my God can do the impossible. That's why he's passionate. He's passionate for God's glory. And even amongst those who are, they're churched, but they're still pagan. 
even in that kind of culture, he is yearning for God's glory. What do you yearn for? In, in, in this, I mean, we live in a churched and pagan culture. What do you yearn for the most? What is it, what is it that has so consumed you, that so burdened you, that it drives you to your knees? So James says that this prayer is an effective, fervent prayer. In our English translations, your English translation is probably just like mine. And it uses those words as two separate adjectives. In fact, putting a comma there. My, 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 my translation says, uh, it says, the effective, comma, fervent prayer. In the Greek, as James writes it, though, it's only one word. Effective and fervent really go together. It's the word energeo. You hear the word energy? There is something that is bubbling. There's something that is boiling. There's something that's ready to happen. In fact, that word energeo means to stretch out toward a goal. As if you're reaching for something. The real picture is that of a horse that's in a horse race. And he's, and he's leaping over that obstacle. And every muscle is stretched as far as it can go. And every muscle is taut. It's, it's the Olympic runner stretching out for that ribbon. That's the word that's here. What is it that so consumes me that I'm so passionate about concerning my prayer life that everything spiritually in me is taught? Everything spiritually within me is stretched to its limit that I would stretch out towards the goal of seeing those prayers answered. We need to be praying with that kind of intensity. We need to be praying with that kind of passion. Number three, this kind of prayer is personal. It's personal, he says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. It's not a prayer that you simply see written down on the back of a track. It's not a prayer that you can Google or find on Pinterest. This is a prayer that comes from your heart. When I prayed and asked Jesus to come in my heart, I had no idea really what I was saying. Don't know really, you know, I mean, I'd seen those sinner's prayer things before. Just kind of like the same sinner's prayer that I led folks through this morning. It's not the kind of prayer I prayed. I prayed, if you'll let me use this phrase, I prayed out of my guts. I mean, I was desperate for God. I didn't have time for anybody else's words. These had to be my words. These had to be my thoughts. This had to be my heart yearning for God to do something incredible. That kind of prayer is not reserved for the prophet. That kind of prayer is not reserved for the preacher. That kind of prayer is personal. And it's available to anybody who wants to learn to pray that way. So what do you have to do? You need to be right with the Lord, don't you? You need to get right with the Lord. Uh, having that positional righteousness that comes with salvation, that comes with being a child of God. But it also means exercising that practicing 
righteousness. In other words, doing the things that are right as a man or a woman of God would be expected by God to do. If you have positional righteousness and practicing righteousness, then I believe that you can pray exactly the way that Elijah prayed. He was simply a man of God. Moses was called a man of God. Samuel was called a man of God. Elijah was called a man of God. Elisha was called a man of God. Timothy was called a man of God. You can be known in your circles as a man or a woman of God just as easily. How does that even happen? Same way it happened with Elijah. You remember when he goes to to feed the woman at Zarephath? It says, the, the Bible says this, Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know, I know, by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. It is the truth. How does your life match up to his word? Is your life, your words... Your attitudes, your motivation, based on the Word of God. That's what, that's what a man of God is. That's what a woman of God is. And I have to tell you, there are some sad verses in the Bible, aren't there? For example, Psalm 66, 18 says, If you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. Same Same Bible in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 25 says, God is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. So be a righteous man. Be a righteous woman. Be a righteous young person. And pray effectively. Pray fervently. And see what God might do. Let me give you a fourth one, number four. This kind of prayer is powerful. It's powerful. James says that this kind of prayer avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The word avails means to be strong. It means to have power. It speaks of the ability just simply to do something. Sometimes people think that their prayers don't don't do anything. Your prayers are to be powerful. They're to be availing as well as prevailing. They're to move. Elijah's prayer could be described that way, couldn't it? Powerful, availing much. Well, the power doesn't come from Elijah. He is neither the source nor the resource. Instead, he gets his power from the Lord. Where does that come from? It comes from the Word, doesn't it? You know, we were talking about uh, about, um, Elijah um, saying, you know, it's not going to rain anymore from this day forward. Where does does he get that idea? I know, God, God speaks to him. But how does he speak to him? He speaks to him the same way that he speaks to you. He speaks out of his Word. It's, It's found in Deuteronomy. Listen to this. The Bible says, well before Elijah ever came on the scene, God said, take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Let's stop there for just a moment. 
That's exactly what was happening under Ahab and those other kings, weren't it? They had turned aside to other gods. They had done exactly what God told them not to do. And He told them, take heed to yourselves that you don't do this. Be careful because you're likely to do this. And He says this, Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and He shut up the heavens so that there be no rain. See, as Elijah reads the word, he hears from God. As you read the word, you hear from God. The same God who speaks directly to Elijah speaks directly to you from the pages of that book that you hold. It's not just an ordinary book. We're talking about this. It is a miraculous book. This book has everything that you need for life. Everything. There is not one thing that God has forgotten about. He doesn't move into the 21st century and then say, Oh shoot, I forgot to tell him this. He has given you every bit of revelation that you need. Where Elijah's power comes from is where your power comes from. So why don't we see power today the way that we saw it in Elijah and in his day? We're not as committed to his word, are we? We we go to those verses of even in the New Testament of Jesus saying, if you will ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so we explain those things away. We come to these passages here in James chapter 4 and we read verses where it says the prayer of faith will save the sick and we don't believe that. We come to the place where it says the Lord will raise him up and we're not so sure about that. Until I am convinced and committed That this is God's word that he will use in me and for me and through me. That I'm not ready to pray. Especially the way that Elijah prayed. This kind of prayer is powerful. That's the principle, isn't it? It's not an Old Testament principle prayer principle. It's a New Testament prayer principle. This is for you. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman avails much. It is timeless, meaning that it's just as effective today as it's ever been. So in this passage, he's been teaching on prayer, and really we're kind of looking at sort of the last two-thirds of this. So at first, he gives us in verses 13, 14, 15, first part of 16, a description of what that prayer is like. Now, what we've looked at is the summary or the principle of what that prayer is like. Now, what he's going to do in verses 17 and 18 is give us an example of that. So you've got the description, you've got the principle, now you get an example Join us for part two of Pastor Tim's message as he shares with us how James gives a summary of a prevailing prayer. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is 
church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.